G'day humans, what's a good work? Chris Funder here for another edition of Wrestling Oz Style with Alex Freddie Williams. Alex, how you going, mate? I'm doing good. Feeling so good that I might just jump off a balcony just to prove a point. Yes, indeed. We're here today to talk about WWE's 24, the WrestleMania Show Must Go On special. Like, th- this is a good documentary. We'll, we'll get into it. But my real question is, why? Because WWE is run by a 78-year-old man who's out of touch. No, I mean, like, why are we reviewing this? <laughs> sort of trying a new format where we do two retro show reviews a month, one Aussie, one classic, and then if there's a third one in the month, do a documentary. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, so I, like a lot of our good humans, found out about this on um, Twitter. <laughs> you keep saying this, and I run this all by you, and you say, okay, it's part of your podcast amnesia, it seems like. Yeah, apparently. I don't know, <laughs> you're just so full of ideas that some of them just slip through the cracks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, this certainly is a interesting one. I think it's a more standout edition of WWE 24 than some of the others, especially some of the other WrestleMania editions. It's definitely the most intriguing on paper. Yeah, absolutely. So the description for the show reads, The global COVID-19 pandemic forces WWE to change course and do the unthinkable as Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, John Cena, Rhea Ripley and Ron Gronkowski and others prepare for an unprecedented two-night WrestleMania inside the WWE Performance Center. That's fine, I guess. That's a pretty accurate description. Yeah, I just sort of seeing this was sort of shocked because they haven't really addressed it on camera other than like, oh, the show must go on was the tagline for WrestleMania. They didn't really address the pandemic at all on like Raw or SmackDown. No, that's right. They heavily get into it on like, I'm not too sure if it was a 365 or a WWE 24 or a Chronicle or whatever, but they did a documentary on Drew McIntyre recently that came out. It pretty much goes into greater depth as to what we see in this documentary, and they heavily get into the COVID talk on the Drew McIntyre doco as well. Okay, so if there's points there that sort of fits Drew's story that you'd like to bring up, feel free to bring up throughout this discussion. No worries. Uh, Most of it's pretty much covered in this, like the major talking points from Drew's documentary anyway. Yeah, fair enough. So it starts with Triple H talking to the WWE employees in the Performance Center, talking about how their plans have changed, including various news clips, and then it cuts to one year prior with Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, and Natalya in the Tampa Bay Stadium promoting WrestleMania is going to be there next year. Why Natty? Because she's a third-generation wrestler. Well, probably longer if you look back throughout Jew. Stu, the... Yeah, she's third. Yeah, third in WWE anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Then cuts to a press conference, including Hulk Hogan talking about how special WrestleMania is. Includes the announcers talking up the connection to Tampa Bay with FCW being the previous developmental league of WWE. There's then footage shown of fans buying their WrestleMania tickets excited for the event. Man, I wonder, like, how easy it was to get a refund for your tickets. Like, if I know WWE, they would have been holding out hope. They would have been like, no, no, we're going to reschedule this. They would, yeah... (laughs) 
Well, it's like all the indie promotions that were running around that weekend all cancelled first. The last one to cancel was, what, the collective because their hotel wouldn't give them their refund. Yeah, that that was a similar thing happened with WrestleCon as well. Oh, it might have been WrestleCon. Yeah, that makes more sense then. One, Yeah, one of the two I remember reading about wouldn't get their refund for their venue. Yeah, but yeah, because WWE hadn't cancelled yet. That's why the venue wasn't giving them their refund. And <laughs> it's two weeks out that WWE eventually cancels. Oh. Yeah, I remember at the time thinking, oh, that's all right. We'll get a WrestleMania in the middle of the year in front of all these fans at Tampa. Like, oh, they'll just put WrestleMania where SummerSlam is or they'll turn SummerSlam into their WrestleMania for the year. Boy, was I wrong. Yes. I, I, I didn't think this thing was going to last as long as it has, but yeah, it's still going strong, the old COVID. And then cut to Rhea Ripley walking onto the field and her first two words on camera are, Holy bleep. <laughs> I found this hilarious. There's XFL banners in the background of the stadium. <laughs> Remember the XFL 2.0? Yeah, apparently it was doing well, but it's such a cursed thing, isn't it? Like, oh, well, have fun, Dwayne. Your problem now. Yeah, doesn't he want to start running next year? Oh, man. Well, he thinks that everyone should be able to beat COVID like he did, but not everyone's a genetic freak like him, so... Who's Scott thinks, Steiner? Well, Dwayne Johnson has pretty much surpassed Scott Steiner in terms of appearance these days, in my opinion. <laughs> Back to Rhea. She mentions her first WrestleMania was last year when she was in attendance and talks about how special it will be taking her family, who will be in attendance this year from Adelaide, South Australia. Rhea talks growing up watching the WWE saying she should have been doing her homework instead. She said she debuted at 16-year-olds for Riot City Wrestling, and then we see a bunch of Riot City Wrestling footage. Yeah, that was surreal. The next thing was pretty surreal. It then cuts to her talking about her WWE tryout match versus Shazza McKenzie from NXT Melbourne in 2016. Yeah, you can also see in the background at one point JXT. <laughs> So um, I can finally talk about JXT on our show. Go yeah. on. Yeah. No, he's, he's good. <laughs> he likes <laughs> figures. We, we talk about toys. <laughs> um, uh. He's running a wrestling school. Well, he was. He's about, a, he's about to kick off Mayhem Pro again when the world opens up again, he said. Ooh. Well, they've alluded to it. He more so alluded to it to me as well. So, But it looks like things are going to start happening with Mayhem again. So... Good old JXT, unbiased mark for JXT, just because he's one of those guys that actually makes an effort with his fans. Yeah, he's a really good guy. And I'm coming ninth out of 87 people in his JXT footy tipping competition, and I don't even watch footy. How are you ninth? I don't know. Did you pick Carlton the other day when they bet Sydney? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, and I didn't even know the match was happening happening yet i somehow did the tips well, that's all right yeah I'm, I'm doing pretty good in his footy tip and cop but i feel like i made the most of jxt's background appearance <laughs> <laughs> i let, let out a lot of um pent-up jxt talk there so yeah shazza shazza and raya doing a little tryout match on wwe that was pretty crazy to see shaz there yeah this would have been i'm just trying to think of the timeline in my head 
Um, Emma's probably main roster at this point, so it would have been after the Emma Shaz match on NXT. Yeah, I think Emma's like maybe even two years into her main roster run at this point. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This was like when they did like a bugger, I forgot their name. Uh, TM61. Almost said TMDK, but they did like a TM61 tag match in Melbourne. There was something involving a steel cage, wasn't there? Oh, yes. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Samoa Joe for the NXT Championship. And the cage goes to lower and it gets caught and then starts swinging. And I'm like, I'm going to get squashed. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. Second row, you can see me on the hard camera. Oh, can you? I'll keep an eye out. Is this pre-beard or post-beard? Probably pre-beard. Okay. Folks, I know you guys can't see us, but Hoggy's beard is just insane at the moment. Yeah, it's all <laughs> bush rangery. Yeah, yeah. You, you've gone full Ned Kelly on us. Um, Yeah, so I completely forgot all about this NXT in Melbourne thing. Man, they should have done this like a couple of more times. Well... Yeah, of course, considering the amount of Aussie talent they have in NXT. Yeah, imagine if, like, if the world wasn't what it is. If NXT came to Australia today, like Bronson and, like, you put Shane Thorne on the card, you put Indy on the card, you Vink. put Vink. You give bloody Bronson a title match, even if he doesn't win in the main event. The former NRL player, his name's uh, escaping me, um... Daniel, is it Damien? Uh, Daniel Vidal. Vidal, yes. Yeah. yeah, I was about to have a conniption trying to remember his name then. Yeah, like him as well. Um, there's a fair, fair bit of Aussie talent yeah. there. Then you and get then, people like, like Tony yeah. Storm from NXT UK. Dakota, yeah, I didn't forgot Rhea. I didn't even say Rhea. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you have a double main event of, like, Rhea in a match, Bronson in a match, and then, like, you could almost do an Aussie in, an Aussie or a Kiwi in every match on the undercard as well. You could almost do it. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty surprising. Actually, you could probably easily do it, especially if you just rang up and was like, yeah, Vince, can I borrow Murphy and Peyton and Billy for a day or two? Like, it's not like you're using them correctly anyway. Ooh, yeah. Anywho, yeah. Well, I've said enough about that. Like, I said on the wrestling rap for the week, like, there's one thing you don't want to be on the WWE main roster, and that is Australian. <laughs> yeah, sadly. <laughs> yeah, this documentary? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Rhea's tryout at NXT in Melbourne versus Shazza talks about how they told her not to expect any contact, that she might get hired, and she was called four days later to be part of the first May Young Classic. It's weird seeing her in this first May Young Classic given how she appears in the second one. Year one, she's still very, like, RCW, Demi Bennett sort of look. Like, generic. Like Well, well, no, but if you watched her RCW stuff, that's the sort of look she has here. Yeah, yeah, but she's a bit more of a clean-cut baby face. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. Um, that's and then... sort of what I mean. Like, I don't mean to offend anyone with this statement, but it was the Rocky Maivia portion of her career. She slowly blossomed into the rock. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so year two, she comes back with her new look, black leather jacket, spikes, uh, short hair on the sides. So it's the new Rhea Ripley sort of character that she's got this second time around. I believe the first year she was in the May Young, she might have even still been called Demi Bennett. Nah, she was Rhea. She was definitely Rhea. Okay. I'm positive. Uh, I'll have to double check, but I'm positive. Um, so she talks about how she was the first NXT UK champion, ended 2018 as NXT UK champion, then went to NXT in the US and ended 2019 as NXT champion. Said that she always wanted to face Charlotte, that there was always comparisons between the two. Yeah, I'm guilty of making the comparison with of Rhea with Charlotte, especially, you know, year one Rhea in NXT was very Charlotte Flair. Year two, not so much. She became her own woman, in my opinion. Uh, quickly, I just searched up the first year's May Young Classic contestants from yep. the first time they did it. My God, this thing is stacked. <laughs> Oh, did you forget about some of the people? Like, I, Shane is in it. You got Serena Deeb, you got Tainara Conti, Tessa Blanchard, yeah, whatever. Uh, like, Drake Maverick's wife was in it. Who's she? Remember she did, like, those those segments with Drake Maverick on Raw when he was 24-7 champ? Yeah, Renee I know what Mich- she looks like. What's her name on Renee me? Michelle. Oh, yeah. wow. Santana Garrett, Serena Deeb. Yeah, Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, Kaylee Ray, Lacey Evans was in it. Um, Kyrie, Kyrie, Dakota, Candice, Bianca. Like, this thing's packed. And, like, most of these people they still have under contract. Like, most of them. Yeah, and it's like, why isn't, like, the WWE women's division, like, far and away the best women's division in the world? Like, they might be the best women's division in the world, but they should be, like, there should be a massive gap between first and second, and I don't think there is. I'd say WWE's overall women's division, then Impact. Yeah. Then maybe Ring of Honor, then AEW. Like, as much as I don't watch Stardom, I would assume Stardom is in front of AEW. Um, Oh, I'd put them number one, but I was talking more specifically the North American multi-gender promotions. Yeah. Well, like, I'm just looking at this list of participants from this May Young, and, like, a lot of them, like, if not all of them, but most of them are still with the company, and I'm like... They could easily just have their own brand. Yeah, and you had Tegan there who suffered the injury before the start of the tournament. Yeah. Did you have a look at some of the alternatives here? Um, Gianna Perrazzo. Oh, my God. Lady Tapper. <laughs> Remember her? Oh, my God. But, yeah, Dionna's just like a alternate. Oh, wow. Lady Tapper. I forgot all about her. Oh. Did you have a look at year two? All right, let's have a look at year two then. We're already completely off the rails here, but like, as, as soon as you oh see my the first god, <laughs> oh my god, I just see like the first four names on the year two contestants, and I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. I, I barely remembered Madison Rain showing up in the WWE. Uh, I, 
Yeah, Big Swole, that's crazy. Alison Kay. Former NWA Women's Champion. Yeah, yeah. Eo Shirai, obviously. Uh, Ginny, Isla oh, Dawn, they... both in NXT UK. They brought back Caitlin for this one. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Killer Kelly, NXT UK. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Mercedes Martinez again. Um, wow. Yeah, this thing's like loaded as well like tony storm tegan knox rare ripley rachel ellering maya yim maya priscilla yim. kelly rachel evers priscilla kelly yeah oh my god i don't even remember her being in that that's crazy Zaya um, brookside yeah i don't recall priscilla kelly getting a look in with the wwe before I'm assuming this might have been just before she started doing all the really controversial stuff on the indies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she did lose in the first round to Diana Perrazzo. Oh. Wow, this is just <laughs> so weird to look on all these women who got, like, a part-time got a contract shot. for this. Yeah, they got a shot. Like, oh, yeah, and Mako Satomura, like, had that awesome run in this tournament as well. Yeah, going yeah. to the... Semi against Tony. Yeah, that thing was awesome. Um, oh, that's right. Rhea advanced for ref stoppage because Tegan blew out her other knee. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Hang on, what name? So Big Swole was under the name Ariel Munro or something. All right, she was, yeah, uh, she was knocked out in the first round, three matches from the bottom. Again, oh, yeah. Whoever that is. Zeuxis. Oh, she was like some luchador. Yeah. Wow. I forgot all about this. Um, yeah, great. surprisingly, they didn't bring it back last year. They should just do it with their main roster women. Like, it would be a chance for, like, an undercard main roster woman to actually, like, put on a blonder. Yeah, if you still had Alicia Fox, you could book her to win it. No, no, you couldn't. <laughs> um, Bring how about, back Caitlin. How about Lacey Evans? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I'm not a fan of Lacey. Like, I don't know if this is me buying into her character, but she just seems like the sort of person I would have a horrible time hanging out with. Maybe I'm a little bit, like, buying into her character a bit by saying that, but You're she nasty. just doesn't... She just just doesn't seem like she would be fun to hang out with. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Um, yeah, so I suppose we should get back to the show. <laughs> uh, you should just tell me... You should seriously just tell me to shut up sometimes, Chris, because I really take this show off the rails. <laughs> that's all right. Enjoy yeah. the little May Young sidetrack there. Yeah, that's crazy, some of the people they had. Wow. Yeah, okay. We're so, done with it. <laughs> they then cut to various news footage talking about how the plan was still trying to go ahead in the stadium. World Health Organization declares a pandemic. NCAA cancel events. The Olympics are postponed. Then WWE announced their 14-month plan throughout the window as they moved to a two-night show from the PC with 14 days notice. Michael Cole speaks about the WWE trying to provide some normality in people's lives during this time. Yeah, I would say the 14 days notice is a bit of hyperbole because, like, 
Well, that's when they did announce it publicly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, surely they were planning before those 14 days, right? No, because if they were, they would have had the PC all set up before that NXT at the PC because something was going on at full sale that forced them out. And then they ran the SmackDown there the Wednesday after. No, but I mean, like, maybe not actually have set everything up, but they would have been preparing for this, like, like strategically, because there was a good couple of weeks there where people were like, why are they still not cancelled WrestleMania yet? I'm not sure, because I remember listening to shows like um, post-wrestling, Sunday night's main event, and wrestling observer and they were all stating how their plans to travel had all been cancelled and they were sort of just waiting for the wwe like calling it stupid how it hasn't been cancelled and how nothing's been announced yet yeah that's true too so that goes to drew mcintyre on location for a bt sports commercial in the uk without notice he's pulled off mid-shoot flown back to the united states and then cuts to 2009 as Vince McMahon announces The Chosen One. Like, you see a lot more footage of that whole trip to the UK following Drew around and, like, him finding out he has to go back to the US and all that sort of stuff in the Drew McIntyre documentary and, like, he's, like, visibly pissed the whole time. Like, as you would be. But, like, he's just, like, having the worst time getting pulled out of the UK and all that. Yeah, and I don't blame the guy. He then talks about how he was in 3MB. They show El Torito pinning McIntyre on Raw and then shows a snapshot stating he's been released from the WWE. They then show various clips of his time on the indies, like Evolve and ICW. Trying they to also work... show clips of him. Uh, I'm, I'm lying, by the way. They also show him versus Mad Dog from Outback Championship Wrestling, in which I was attendance at. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Didn't Mad Dog pin him? Yep, Mad Dog won. True number one contender to the WWE Championship. <laughs> He's the linear champion, really. Did <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Would Drew have had the IC or the Evolve title at that time? Uh, he had the Evolve title at the time. <laughs> And he had the ICW title too. So, <laughs> so yeah, because he had like, he had a few titles heading into that one. And um, yeah, so Mad Dog is the true insane championship wrestling and Evolve champion. I like Mad Dog. Get him a contract. Talks about trying to get back to the WWE, showing various times of his work on indie promotions, saying how his goal was trying to get back to face Brock. He then talks about calling Regal, who set up a meeting with Triple H, and then he signs with NXT, shows him in the crowd, then shows him winning the NXT Championship before his return to Raw, and then the 2020 Raw Rumble, where McIntyre eliminates Lesnar. Drew seemed pissed off his WrestleMania was taken away, but realised he could put a smile on people's faces. I can't blame him for being pissed, to be honest. Like, yeah, it was pretty much under the impression he was going to get his moment in front of, like, 70,000, 80,000 people. But, yeah. Because you've watched the Drew doco, like, the last Raw he's on in front of a crowd, doesn't Brock tell him to pick up the title and pose after he Claymore kicks Brock on the stage out of nowhere? That did happen, yeah. I, I don't know if it was shown on the Drew doco. Okay. They then... Cut to John Cena talking about his cinematic match, shot in seven and a half hours. 
then various wrestlers are shown arriving, including Baron Corbin in a sick sports car. Edge talks about having his first match back with no fans, and Cena talks about the protocols for entry, including a sanitizer station and a temperature check. Yeah, this is before they started COVID testing everyone. Is this the part of the documentary where we see who voices Ramblin' Rabbit? Yeah, we hear his normal voice. I didn't happen to take note of who it was. It was Bruce Pritchard. I was able to tell because I'm a fan of his podcast, obviously. Um, That makes one of us. (laughs) Okay. Like, half the stuff he says on his podcast is just complete, like, saving his own ass sort of fabrications, to be polite. But he's very entertaining when he talks about some of the... backstage stories like road stories with like guys like dusty roads and stuff but yeah i was blown away that ramblin rabbit was voiced by bruce pritchard i had no idea yeah well he's got to do something now that paul Heyman and eric bishop have been fired yeah yeah it's not like he has anything else on his plate they then cut to braun Strowman, who's talking about going from no match he packs his bag After an episode of SmackDown, he has to drive 21 hours to get home. He's driven 20 hours and receives a phone call. He's told there'll be a flight to a regional airport to pick him up at 9am the next day, and he'll fly to the PC. When he gets there, he's told it's him versus Goldberg at WrestleMania for the Universal Championship. Man, it's crazy that Goldberg was champ this year. Yeah, that's sort of something that got forgotten about. Yeah, like, yeah, I forgot all about it. How? Like, he was literally two champions before our current one, but uh, it just seems like a lifetime ago. Wasn't that one of the last pay-per-views to have fans in attendance? Uh, Yeah, I think there was an elimination chamber after Saudi Mania. Yeah, where they stole Super Showdown. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. I've said it before, but it really annoys me that the Saudi Arabia deal took away the Super Showdown name, taking away the one pay-per-view Australia had to remember it for. So now it's sort of been tainted by all these horrible matches. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I've got all this merch that says Super Showdown. It's like, oh, well, now what do I do with it? (laughs) Yeah, Goldberg versus Fiend, where Goldberg won with a standard vertical suplex basically because he couldn't do the full move was that because he hit his head on the door on the way out no no that was another goldberg saudi match this one was just because goldberg couldn't lift the fiend for a jackhammer and they sort of just fell oh that's right yeah it just ended up being like a stock standard like vertical suplex brain buster (laughs) (laughs) yeah It was far from a Tomohiro Ishii match, that's for sure. Far from a Tommy Knight brainbuster. Oh, man. Oh, give me Knight and Ishii. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All right. Off topic again. Um, He talks about how Roman's decision to stay home has given him an opportunity. States that Roman's at home with two newborn twins. Braun talks about growing up watching Hulk Hogan and being bullied growing up because he was husky. He went to a gym to get help with his bullying, and that's how he entered Strongman. Talks about how Mark Henry paid for his flight down so he could get a tryout, and shows his brief time in FCW, NXT, and then his Raw debut, including Tag Champions with Nicholas. Yeah, was that the year before or the year before that? It was uh, the that year before was that. Yeah. 34, it was New Orleans. Yeah. 
Man, Nicholas is almost ready to come back, right? Like, Well, if Dominic's already there, it'll only be a couple of years' time before he's in the PC. Man, I really hope Nicholas becomes a full-time wrestler. Like, it's just an already built gimmick. It's like, I won a title when I was 12 years old at WrestleMania. And he just becomes a cocky little brat after that. Oh, writes itself, man. Yeah. So then they cut to Owens talking about his view on WrestleMania in the PC, saying it felt like WrestleMania to him. Showing his time in NXT, saying the plan was for him to jump off the pirate ship, and he was bummed out it was taken away. Then it's shown him walking into the PC, seeing the WrestleMania sign, and going, yep, I'm going to jump off that. I was just saying, I, I love Kevin Owens' like mentality, and like he, he pretty much comes across as like a kid, like in a candy store. He's just like excited to do so much stuff here. Like he comes across so charming and endearing in this documentary. Have you seen the Steam Nakamura match from Ring of Honor? Yeah. I yeah. love that match so much. Yeah, it, it is to, one of the best matches. He goes to do the cannonball on the outside to Nakamura, and Nakamura just goes, nope, and walks to the side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, remember Shinsuke Nakamura? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know he's one of my two favorite New Japan wrestlers. Oh, man, it'd be good if he came home. <laughs> Pretty obvious who my other one is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not Watto. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, Ichiban. Yes, Suzuki Gun, Ichiban. Yep. Oh, man. Hey, it's Mojo's Gronk. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst version of the hype bros. Gronk says he was a fan of Val Venus. (laughs) You know what, though? Like, Val Venus was actually a good wrestler. But, like, to be inspired by him is questionable. Yeah. Shows Gronk attacking Jinder at WrestleMania 33. Cut was the security woman tackling him before he got in the ring. I'm pretty sure she got sacked not long after that. And, like, everyone kicked up with stink because, like, what do you expect her to do? She's a security guard. Like, you didn't tell her. Yeah. Vince is then telling Gronk to do a trust fall, and Vince shows Gronk how to do a trust fall off a 10-foot platform on the crash pads first. Then Gronk does it with all the wrestlers paying him out in their video diaries. Yeah, and, like, Gronk did it, like, so much worse than Vince did. Like, Vince's was great, like, but Gronk's was, like, sort of real sloppy looking. Yeah, Bray's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Vince just went and did it because... He- He's a badass, and I think it might have been like Owens saying, oh, yeah, he won't ask you to do anything he's not willing to do. Yeah. Because they cut to, like, archive footage, and it's got Vince on the... um Zip line. Zip line going down before WrestleMania, and then it cuts to HBK's WrestleMania zip line entrance. Yeah. Uh, th- there's other stuff, too, like um, like setting the casket on fire and stuff. And, like, Vince is in it. This it wasn't on this documentary, but there's been footage that has come out before. Like, Vince showing Undertaker that it'll be safe if he gets in this burning casket because of whatever gimmick they got in it. So Vince jumps in this flaming casket. Wow. Vince is insane. And this whole thing was just so much fun to watch. Cuts to highlight for the two nights of WrestleMania. Braun talks how surreal it is for him to have beaten Goldberg for the championship at WrestleMania. Then it shows John Cena, who says, As for my match, 
It's effing weird. <laughs> Rhea seems to be speechless before her match in her Vegeta-inspired gear, saying it was seven and a half years in the making and saying her childhood dream has come true. She also says like that after the match and they've finished filming, she gets on the apron and she just sort of breaks down crying, but she's so happy to like have this moment. Sort of her and Charlotte share a bit of a moment there after the match. It was pretty cool seeing that footage of like what happened after the match was taped. And then they put a lot of emphasis on Drew saying it was so surreal as this is his first time. This is his first time performing in the empty PC setting as he had been in the UK, then isolation before his match. Drew said it was just so special as he became emotional in the ring, saying thank you into the camera. Yeah, that was a pretty cool moment for me. Like like I said, I went and saw Drew McIntyre in Melbourne in front of like a couple of hundred people versus Mad Dog. Um, I am a massive fan of Drew and that moment where he reaches his hand out to the camera and says thank you, like... Yeah, I felt it in that moment anyway. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that initially at WrestleMania, but yeah, I noticed it here. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a really powerful moment. Yeah, definitely. And then sort of towards the end here, it's showing various clips of people warming up, each saying how special it was for them, and along with a few fan watch-along clips spliced in. And the end of the documentary is Edge on a Ladder saying, Thank you for the sacrifice the crew has made being away from their families so they could get this last shot of his first match back. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, Edge definitely being a veteran of uh, being on set with people and doing lots of like TV stuff with Vikings and whatever the other show is on, I forgot the name of. But um, yeah, he sort of took charge here like and just did the right thing, thanking the crew. And I think people should be thanking the crew a little bit more often. Um, I know John Pollock and Wei Ting recently talked about it on post-wrestling, but I've been watching some WCW from 1998, and after every pay-per-view, they give they do a credit roll. Yep. And I think that WWE, like the best production company in wrestling history, should be doing credits for their crew. I'd agree. No different than a TV or a movie. You might as well. Yeah. Like And like we've both got Foxtel. You watch some of the things now in the clips, they'll like, um, if it's a sitcom or something, they'll air a um, picture in picture where the credits are playing on one side and then on the other side it's like outtakes or a goofy end sequence or if it's a um, drama they might play next week on, I don't know, The Walking Dead or something, they'll play a clip and on the right-hand side all the credits are going past. You can do that for wrestling. You can have next week on Raw or something. Do you remember, like, ordering pay-per-views back in the Attitude Era and it always blew my mind that by the end of the WWE pay-per-view, particularly like ones like WrestleMania, they would air a highlight of like everything that's already happened, like the everything that happened in the pay-per-view that just finished. Yeah, TNA used to do this for a while as well. Yeah, and like it would include like chucking into the highlight video the match that ended like two minutes ago. Like that always blew my mind that they were able to quickly do up a highlight video. Like especially like WWE did like 
one at the end of WrestleMania 17, obviously, to the tune of My Way by Limp Biscuit, And they somehow, like, for the highlights for the show that had just finished, managed to, like, sync all the action in with the up-tempo and the down-tempo of the music. And I was, like, always blown away as a kid, like, how they managed to squeeze that in with such short amount of time. So, like, they could do something like that, but in a smaller screen with the credits on the side. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. So I suppose before we get to your overall thoughts on the documentary, I just want to touch on something that we sort of missed out on WrestleMania. Yes. The two entrances we were robbed of. Kyrie saying the pirate princess coming out of the damn pirate ship at the stadium. Yes. Yeah. And Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal entrant Paul Birchall coming out of the pirate ship. Oh, man. Like, that would have been interesting. It would have been more interesting to see if he even got a pop. I think he would have coming out of the pirate ship in his pirate persona. How many people would remember Paul Birchall's, like, one-year run as a pirate? Like, I would definitely pop for it, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many people at WrestleMania where there's a lot of casuals would even pop for it. Oh, well, see, the thing is that Battle Royal, you have almost everyone come in in a group. Then you have, like, three or four get individual entrances, so you give him an individual entrance. I remember, I think it was the first. Oh, no, it was, like, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal in um at WrestleMania 32. In Dallas. And, yeah, in Dallas. And, like, they had a whole bunch of people already in the ring, and then they did the few entrances. They had, like, Big Show come out. I think DDP showed up for that one. But I remember, like, the match starting, and then I just sort of look in the mass of humanity in the ring, and it's like, what? Why is Tatanka there? It's Tatanka. What's he doing here? Tatanka's awesome. You yeah, know what I Tatanka know, but means. It's, it's like, uh, what does it mean? I don't know. I thought it meant buffalo. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, they couldn't even give Tatanka then, like, a surprise pop entrance for, for WrestleMania. So how can... <laughs> How can they give Paul Birchall one? Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. You know what I just realised? Tatanka's not in the Hall of Fame. Nah. Tatanka, 2021. No. Dude, go back. Like, this doesn't really, like, mean too much because of his opponent, because his opponent's so good. But WrestleMania 9, Intercontinental title match, Tatanka versus Shawn Michaels. Like, such a good match. One of the most underrated matches of Shawn Michaels' career. So, yeah, definitely one for people at home to check out. Yeah, it wasn't Tatanka when he was first brought in, like, on a big undefeated streak? For, like, a year and a half, two years, yeah. Did he ever capture a championship? No. Like, he he even beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania by disqualification because, (laughs) you know, early 90s booking. (laughs) Oh, man. But it was a good match until the finish. Anyway... So what did you think of this documentary overall? Yeah, it was fun. Um, it was really interesting. I was hoping we would get a little bit more in-depth with it. Like, I would really have loved to have heard from, like, a representative from 
the Tampa Bay Stadium and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, or even someone like a, a Vince or a Triple H, if they were on there a bit more, I think would have lent itself a bit more noteworthiness. I know this is asking for too much, but man, it would have been good to have just like had a camera there, like when everyone found out. Like they had that announcement at the start, but like the proper moment everyone found out, you know? Yeah, geez. Yeah, man, that would be interesting. Like, I would have killed to have seen Vince's face when he found out he couldn't do Mania at that stadium. <laughs> do you think it would have been like, uh, was it the first draft where the Dudleys don't realise they're getting split? <laughs> Or um, I, I just picture like Vince finding out him going all big, big eyed, like big wide eyed, and then he does his whole big like swallow, and you see his ap- Adam's apple just bounce up and down in textbook Vince fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Then he does the whole Stacy Keebler just danced in front of him, and he falls backwards off his chair. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna puke. Yeah. So what did you think of? WrestleMania PC. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that WrestleMania was so much better than anyone was expecting. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. It was a nice trip down memory lane, um, sort of remembering all the uncertainty around that time. And, like, to be fair, we're just as uncertain now, but we're sort of more comfortable with being uncertain that being uncertain doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's sort of the new normal at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, just, like, going back in my mind, like, remembering everything from just a few months ago, like, yeah, it was a crazy time. Like, I was on Twitter, like, every five minutes just checking to see what was going on. Oh, well. That was before everyone in the world got cancelled and and all the craziness of 2020. That was just the beginning of everything. Like, man... So much more happened after that. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy year. Yeah. It'll get better, I'm sure. Possibly. It c- it couldn't get too much worse. Sorry, what'd you do? I knocked on wood there after I said it couldn't get too much worse. I don't I don't trust 2020 anymore. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I suppose I don't think I've told you this, but I was actually looking at going to New Japan for the G1 for my birthday. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> and then this happened. Oh, man. Did you have your money saved up and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you got that money still. <laughs> yeah, where can I go? Yeah. Well, well, if this thing just keeps going the way it's going, by the time we're allowed to go back to places like Japan and all that, you might actually be able to afford to go to every single day of the G1 <laughs> by the time this is over. <laughs> no, I think I think one day would be enough for me. Or maybe the final three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I feel for you now, yeah. Because it, it was either trying to go to WrestleMania when it was announced as Pirate Ship... Because, yeah, I love pirates. Yeah. Or... Uh, to the point that you, the listeners don't know this, but you recently purchased a giant Lego pirate ship, from my memory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um... Should I buy you a Paul Birchall action figure? Does he have one? 
There is a Paul Birchall pirate action figure from like the mid 2000s. Yeah. Is it expensive? I doubt it. <laughs> I, I highly doubt it. After this episode's sales are going to go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just going to buy them up so they can get my money off me. But um, yeah, so it was like either trying to look at that and then G1 got announced it was moving because of the Olympics and I was like, oh, that sounds better. <laughs> and then the world closed. Yeah. Ah, well, with that being said, I think we'll sign off for today and chat to the lovely humans later on. Yeah, uh, quickly though, like what reviews do we have coming up after this one, mate? I don't know. So we'll be announcing our October schedule shortly. Stay tuned to our socials for that. Yeah, I need to start thinking about what torture I'm going to make you go through with my next review. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to pull out the pencil and see what we've got going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but I might pick something a little bit more patriotic for our next one, mate, for October. Sounds good. Uh, I suppose... Until then, the show must go on. And now, if you're still listening, this pod must go off.